Joining us now, as we do every Tuesday at this time, our great friend, Mr. Al Bat, from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. I just uh, corresponding with a friend about the demise of Mad Magazine, which was, uh, oh, an important part of my, uh, my growing up years. I would surreptitiously read it <laughs> at what I called the New Richland Drug Library, which was the magazine rack, and I would go back there and you know, mom would be shopping or something. I'd be hiding back there reading Mad Magazine until somebody from the drugstore would say, are, are you going to buy that? And I, <laughs> of course I wasn't, you know, so I'd put it back and say, no, I was just, just looking. And, and all those cards, uh, Mad Magazine didn't have so many, but they all had those blow-in cards even in those days, and they'd all fall on the floor. And But it was, um, I, I was lucky uh, later on in life to write for uh, oh, Don Martin, who was just a wonderful artist uh, for Mad, and some other ones, so I've had stuff in Mad Magazine. So, so what kind of things did you write for Mad Magazine? It, it's kind of s satire, is it? Or, I mean, I, I guess I remember seeing it and thinking, I don't think my mom would like me to have this made sometimes, because sometimes it was a little edgy. Yeah, and I got a subscription to it. My brother Donald, who was in the service, uh, sent me a year's, no, I want to say two years subscription as wow. a birthday present. And uh, my mom put up with pretty much everything <laughs> under the sun, because like you, she had boys, and you just, uh, you learn to put up with things. But she was a little... Um, yeah, oh, she had some misgivings about it, mm -hmm. you know. That uh, so, but uh, because it was my brother was in service a long ways from home, and he'd sent me this, so she kind of had to put up with it because that's how that works. But yeah, I, um, Don Martin was a guy who had big. Uh, characters with big feet and they made <laughs> flap noises and when I was a little boy he was my favorite so it was a dream come true when later in life I got to uh, write for him and he was a great guy lived down in Florida and uh, corresponded with him a long time I wish I'd have kept a lot of that correspondence you know and you're a young fellow you just don't think about that uh, keeping things so can you can you well, give me an example of something you wrote because i'm just curious what al bat would write about you know i know i think you're the bird guy you write uh, columns and you write birds and things and i know you write comics so what sort of things did al bat write in the mad magazine you know it was just a goofiness with don martin for the most part i wrote a lot of single panel stuff with uh, oh. other people through the years but mainly it was don martin and mm -hmm. i can't think of anything i'm sorry it's just oh. a flap we we made these odd sounds so people we would, we wanted them to giggle at that so by the <laughs> time they got to the punchline they would think the punchline was much funnier than it actually was <laughs> just because of all those goofy uh, looking characters and it was the genius of Don Martin, not me, that uh, that made all that possible. He was just one of those guys that uh, he could draw things and you'd, you'd laugh. There wouldn't be words or anything. He just had this wonderful genius. And uh, I, I heard from his wife uh, up till a few years ago, and, I, and I'm, I'm afraid she's probably passed away. But uh, he was just a great guy. You know, at the end of June, uh, I because I always put this off to like the last minute, but I, I couldn't sleep long enough to allow the fog to lift. 
so I'd like to have missed the mist. But I went out there and drove through this fog and mist, and I do a breeding bird survey every year. And I started, I have to be at the location at 5.02 a.m. And I got there, and I rolled down the windows because I want to hear birds before I get out. So I'm listening to birds. It was, oh, I suppose 10 to 5 or something. The car filled with mosquitoes. Uh, I didn't count them. I counted birds, but I had to get out of the car because the car was filled with mosquitoes. They just... It's been a long time since I filled a car with mosquitoes. <laughs> uh, toads trilled, cows mooed, green frogs plunked, chorus frogs sounded like a thumbnail being run down the teeth of a comb. And I stopped at the same spots, the same 50 spots in Freeborn, Mauer, and Steele counties that I've been stopping at for years and counted all the birds I was able to see or hear in three minutes. And I listened to sedge wrens, both sedging and wrenning, uh, many birds carrying hyphens. When you think about it, a lot of them have hyphens in their name. And yet, even though they're carrying these hyphens, they still found the strength to sing. There were many, many crowing roosters, both pheasants and domestic chickens. I saw no hen pheasants and no pheasant chicks. I saw a few sandhill cranes and more red-headed woodpeckers than that. I saw the perfect murder of crows. I counted 53 species of birds compared to 56 last year. I spotted more red-winged blackbirds than any other bird, followed by common grackles and European starlings. Uh, red wings were seen at the most stops, followed by American robins and then grackles. Red-winged males begin singing in March, and they're still singing today. And a pickup pulled up to my motionless vehicle at 545. He rolled down the window and said, is everything okay? You know, it was darn near perfect. And I have to add that every year, every year, somebody pulls over and says, are you okay? <laughs> Car trouble? He used to be one guy, Art uh, Johnson, would uh, he'd pull over by Red Oak Church. He knew kind of when I was coming and ask if I wanted to go fishing with him. And I couldn't because I was doing a breeding bird survey. One year I got pulled over by a uh, deputy sheriff because somebody had reported a strange-looking vehicle. <laughs> I have signs on the car, but there, you know, you can't see them from a house very well, so. So I had to explain to him what I was doing out there, counting birds, and he didn't quite understand why anybody would be out at 5 in the morning counting birds. He but thought you were a little was, loony, Al. <clears throat> Very much loony, yeah. and he said, you can't even see birds. If, well, you can at 5.02, because that's why they set the time at 5.02, because <laughs> you can see them. After that, I had to battle severe road work, as we all oh. do now. But a friend, Preston Cook of Wabasha, and I found a place to sit and talk while enjoying caffeine and cups. And Preston is the author of a wonderful book titled American Eagle, A Visual History of Our National Emblem. And it's a terrific book if you like eagles. It's a terrific book if you don't like eagles. It's um, he He's... Uh, perfect example of a collection gone berserk he just started collecting things with eagles on them you know um, coins commemorative coins pins buttons hats you name it he collected it 
and now he has this huge amount. He has a lot of it that is being shown in Wabasha. So he's and just a great guy. Originally from um, California, and when he moved here, he got advice about moving to Minnesota. They told him he should wear plaid shirts at least three days a week. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, back at home, I watched a cat bird eat raspberries. So inspired, I picked black caps and found them delicious, as they are every year. This is a good year for raspberries. And the cat bird scolded me. A uh, tree swallow's eyes peeked out from a nest box. There was little doubt that that I was much happier to see her than she was to see me. She just regards me as, I don't know, something evil. Um, she's a good neighbor, tree swallow who hasn't swallowed a single tree in my yard. Uh, house wren chattered severely at me, and the intensity increased as I neared the nest. And the tiny bird sounded like a little Geiger counter. And there's an eastern cottontail rabbit. It's a lawn bunny. And it follows me around the yard, and I don't feed it, and we've never been properly introduced. Perhaps her paths cross coincidentally. I mean, she doesn't run up to me and jump into my arms. But as I watched the bunny eat a dandelion with great gusto, I was reminded once again that what is a weed to someone is feed to another. It's been an odd summer. I hear not a single song sparrow singing in my yard, and I don't recall that ever being the case before in my life, that I haven't had a song sparrow. I had them early, but they all left. Uh, John from New Alm, he said uh, last week he saw two lady turkeys with 14 little ones. So there's a, a, there's a lot of turkeys out there, and I hear from people that say, they're not seeing many turkeys, and it's one of those things where the next person you talk to say, I've never seen so many turkeys in my <laughs> life. So populations of all our critters kind of change according to areas. So one area might see a lot of this, and the next area might not. Um, some of the things we do kind of spread around, like gnats and mosquitoes. We try to make sure everybody gets those. But turkeys are one of those things that uh, just don't... Um, uh, show up everywhere, but where they show up, there's a lot. And you got a letter from John. I did get a letter from John, and, and it's kind of a long letter, but I'd like to read it because he shares some interesting things. It, it came, well, it was, he wrote it on July 2nd, so it's relatively recent. And he wrote, so this is to, to uh, share with Al. He says, the turtle I saw in the Walmart area was kind of going toward a pond or water holding thing. Hope it made it okay. He says, I wonder if it thought, I was be a big turtle. I drove by slowly and stuck my head and neck out of the car window to see it better. He said, the car was my shell. Get it? Ha <laughs> ha. He said, I heard on the radio about Alabama. They have 15,000 wasps per nest. Wow. He said, uh, maybe you can Google giant yellow jacket wasp nest in Alabama. He says, I'm sure Al has heard the same thing I did. Have you heard that, Al? I have. They have these uh, humongous nests down there. The weather has been really conducive for these uh, these wasps. They didn't have much cold weather in some of those areas, so the oh. wasps are supposed to die like they do here mm -hmm. when it gets cold, and apparently down there they're not dying. Oops. So they're just making these bigger and bigger and bigger nests. It's, um, it, it's really a cool story. I don't know how cool it'd be if you had <laughs> one of these gigantic nests right out here in your dooryard. Well, John continue, continues the letter. He says, my mom was from Alabama. One time a yellow jacket got up in my pants 
and stung my right knee area. He said it felt like a hot needle was in my skin for a couple hours. So that, yeah, that would be not very fun. Now, here's another thing that happened to him recently, it sounds like. He says, got some head and shoulder shampoo in my eyes today. Boy, does that sting. (laughs) The good thing is my eyes don't have dandruff anymore. (laughs) Good one. Oh, he said, uh, and he enclosed some information from me about garlic mustard. He says, my dad has that stuff, and he's usually too busy or tired to start pulling it out, plus... All the wood ticks are a problem. He said also enclosed the day it got up to 878 degrees. Apparently it was something that was in the, the paper, in the New Ulm paper. It was kind of a, a mistake, I guess, in, in the headline. Or I, Yeah, here it is. It said the weather. So he, I was wondering why he included this. It was like this half of a page from New Ulm, Tuesday, July 27, 2015. And it shows the weather report. So it says Tuesday the 7th, 78 then it says Wednesday the 8th, 77. And then on Thursday the 9th, in this 2015 paper, was 878 degrees. He says, <laughs> and here he, here he says, yeah, he says it was uh, 878 degrees on Thursday, July 9th, 2015 in New Ulm. He says that it might have been my fault. It was about 80 degrees outside and I took my shirt off. I took my shirt off outside, and then it went up to 878 degrees. He says, don't worry. I put my shirt back on right away. I might. (laughs) He says, so, yeah, he's, uh, anyway. And the next day it was down to uh, 81 for the high. So, yeah, thank you for doing that, uh, (laughs) John. And uh, then then he goes on to say, I did get some of the wild river stamps. I haven't seen these yet. I don't know if you have, but apparently there's some wild. I have not. Okay. And he said, and if you like the Muppets. He says, I think you can get those stamps now, too. And then he goes on to talk about his sister getting radiation. It makes her tired and nauseous. And so, you know, we certainly thinking about you related to your sister. And so, yeah, so thank you, John, very much. He mailed me a couple of Spider-Man cards. And I, I don't have any Spider-Man cards, but he says, maybe you want to share these with your son. As one, one's of Penny Parker and, and Spider-Man. So now I, I can start a collection, at Al. That is nice, and I, um, I too wish uh, the best for his sister. And uh, cancer treatments are are very tiring, and I know some people fly through them, and it doesn't seem to, to wear them out. But for uh, most of us mere mortals, it's uh, extremely tiring, and it's pretty cool. You know, maybe we are kind of like a turtle, aren't we, when we're driving <laughs> in the car? I've never thought of that. And John, I have been uh, stung and bitten, whatever you want to call it, by more yellow jackets than I could shake a stick at. And um, they do found, feel like you're on fire for a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I don't have any lasting effects from the things, but, uh, oh, they hurt. And wood tick, I've had a few, uh, not very many this year, uh, which I am very happy about. I just soon not have any ticks at all. The the few I found have been wood ticks, so they're the. I guess if you got to have a tick, they're probably the one to have. You know, I have uh, not had Neil, a wood. I was gonna say I have not had a wood tick yet this year, but the Japanese beetles are back. My husband saw the first one on a lily this weekend, and yesterday oh. I found about a dozen on my green bean plants. And I mean, it doesn't take long before they just skeletonize those leaves. And so I, I uh, this weekend after Jeff found one on a a plant, I called Barb Lampson, you know, my master gardener friend, and I said, Barb, the war has started. The war has begun. And she said, who is this? (laughs) 
<laughs> I think she was worried for a second. But anyway, so yeah. I don't know if you have them over there, but in our neighborhood, they're there. One of uh, my neighbors said that he's been battling them as well. She thought you were a neighbor calling and say, that's it. <laughs> we're done. The war has started. Yeah, I've, I've not seen them. So, uh, oh, I've, good for I've, you. Boy, you know, do us all a favor and just keep them all in your yard. That'd be wonderful. And uh, they are, uh, I, I will say it, that a lot of people have told me they are, they're really pretty colors. But they're but nasty with, with your plant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then their grubs are hard on lawns and things on top of all that. So it's not just what they eat. Uh, Neil Bat of Rural Heartland sent me a photo of a fawn that he took with his cell phone. He said it was about 15 feet away, just checking him out. Rick Mammel of Albert Lee said, I have some gardening news for you that you may find a little amusing. The day before yesterday, I exited our home via the front portal to pursue some weeding and pruning of plants. The boss insists I keep my gardening shoes, uh, canvas slip-on things, outdoors. Fair enough. As I proceeded to try to slip the left one on my left foot, no less, something was clearly stuffed inside it near the toe. I struggled to see what it could be, but the light was far too dim. Thinking that a neighbor of mine that delights in pulling pranks on me had shoved some paper in it, I reached in, felt something rather squishy. I pulled it out and discovered it was a very large and healthy toad. I rejoiced with this discovery. Toads are among gardeners' best pals in the world. Yesterday, as I went out, I picked up the shoes, tapped the soles against one another, and that toad fell out from the left shoe again. It was consistent by all means. Then I squirted water on it from my garden hose and set up a bench well above floor level. My boss is wondering how high toads can jump. Perhaps you would know. I've seen them in nature centers, uh, Rick, and they're housed in an aquarium or terrarium. And they're, you know, they're a foot tall. So these enclosures have had covers as the toads are good jumpers. We don't think of them as, but they can cop. They can hop pretty pretty high, but I would think a foot would be would be tops. I can't imagine, you know. I, and Mark Twain didn't write anything about the jumping toads, so we can't uh, read <laughs> up on him. <clears throat> Bernie Sonic said we released 19 monarch butterflies on Sunday, one day before, and approximately another 20 or so during this past week. We have eight more to mature. He said it's just amazing to watch as uh, they become butterflies. Apparently uh, found these before the predators did. Most were in one group and then found a few in various milkweed patches. We're in the lookout for the next generation. Another note, the hummingbirds seem to prefer the oriole feeder as opposed to the hummingbird feeder. And the butterflies also go to the oriole feeder. Uh, Tom Belshin of Glenville sent me a video of a brown thrasher singing and said that's his favorite bird. Lou Jean Ingham of Hayward sent a photo of an Abbott's Sphinx moth caterpillar. It's kind of a brown and green, almost like it has large spots on it, and then it has this huge fake eye. It's just, and it's a big caterpillar and just really neat. They like grapevines. 
Uh, Mary Stoll of Jasper said there were so many birds in our area during spring migration. They stayed longer than usual and consumed lots of fruit, seeds, and jelly. We had a lot of Orioles, Baltimore and Orchard, Grosbeaks, Indigo Buntings, and Finches. The Orioles and Finches are still here. I was just wondering if anyone else had reported this. Yeah, I think a lot of people... uh, Mary reported a lot of birds in there because the bad weather just held them in place. They were just waiting for nice weather so they could fly. They liked having a nice south wind, and we were getting storms, so we had them here. Uh, Grant Garriott. Uh, Grant lives uh, near Aitken, Minnesota, and Aitken has a county has... uh, they used to always tell me they had you could fish in a different lake in Aiken County every day of the year, and um, actual fishable lakes. And he sent me a link to a Twin Cities TV story about the ditch ducks. Uh, some folks, some listeners might have seen that. It's a beautiful human interest segment about brightly painted duck decoys that started out as a family joke but quickly turned into a community phenomenon. They are located about 27 miles south of Grant's lake home, and Grant says he passes by them whenever we travel to the lake. I communicated with a local TV reporter, Boyd for many months to do this story. He finally came out last Tuesday with his photographer to do the filming. I declined to be interviewed. Oh. Grant, what's wrong with yeah. you? But I'm very happy with the results. Boyd has won three National Murrow Awards for his other human interest stories, some of which have gone on national NBC News. So well, the I, ditch ducks. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know Boyd from 4-H. He was a, a 4-H kid, and, and he's done very, very well. And if you ever watch Channel 11, he does an amazing job with telling people's stories. And um, I looked at the video that Grant sent me, and it's filled with uh, duck decoys, Ooh. all uh, painted um, very colorfully. Mm-hmm. And so people are driving by all the time, and they look over at this little marshy pond and say, what is, what's going on over there? Look <laughs> at those ducks. So they got people pulling over and saying, well, those are all decoys painted bright reds and yellows. Uh, Gene Amley of New Richland said, uh, I don't see any Orioles at my feeders. What's going on? Uh, Gene, when Baltimore Orioles arrive in the spring, they've been working hard. They've been traveling. They haven't been getting enough sleep. They're just, uh, and they're starved. They're, they're hungry after a long migration. They take advantage of food offerings at our feeders. And when they're nesting and feeding young, their diet shifts more to protein-rich insects, and the adults often bring fledglings to the feeders mm-hmm. after they come out of the nest, so they'll be back. How does a mosquito find me so quickly, asked a little girl, and she showed me a couple mosquito bites, so they were finding <laughs> her. And I told her a mosquito can detect sweat, not that she would sweat. She would, if anything, she would glisten, but uh, sweat and carbon dioxide. And then, of course, they can find you on the Internet today, so that's pretty easy for them. Uh, Why does a deer's coat change color? And uh, we had a pair of twins in our yard here, little fawns that were kicked out of the woods by the thunder and lightning, which uh, frightens them. And the, they were out in the pouring rain, which they probably liked because it might have kept some of the stable flies from biting them. But when big trucks would go 
down the the road, then they'd let out that and then they'd run and jump in circles. So they were poor little things. You felt sorry for them because they were they were scared. But they are the mama is a such a different color than she was in the winter, and a deer's coat provides thermal regulation and camouflage. So summer coats are reddish and thin, and this allows deer to cope with uh, heat stress. And then hormonal changes turn that coat into a two-layered faded gray or brown. Uh, The outer guard hairs on a winter coat are hollow and stiff, and the inner layer is soft and dense. And this equips the animal with insulation. And the interesting thing about their colors, coat colors tend to be darker in the forested areas and then lighter in the agricultural lands. And maybe I don't know, more sun gets to it. I think it's just probably because they, they fit in better there. And I, I get this question. It's a wonderful question. And I get it uh, every year. Somebody says, uh, I saw an old Woody Woodpecker uh, cartoon. And Woody the Woodpecker used to be on TV. I believe he was even when you go to the movies, they'd have little cartoon shorts, and Woody the Woodpecker would be one of those. And and somebody asked, what kind of woodpecker is Woody the Woodpecker? And he (laughs) is an animated one. Uh, Walter Lance, whose Woody's creator was inspired by an acorn woodpecker. Now, Gail and I were in California here a little while back, and we saw acorn woodpeckers there. But Woody appears to have been modeled after a pileated woodpecker. He doesn't look like an acorn woodpecker to me. A pileated is more refined than Woody, and then pileated, pileum means capped, in this case referring to the crest that uh, the pileated woodpecker has. So they're, I love seeing pileated woodpeckers. They're the size of a crow, and they're just uh, they're really beautiful, beautiful birds. And I like seeing Woody the Woodpecker, too. He's just, uh, uh, they're, um, he, he's yeah. neat. Like, yeah. There you go. <laughs> like that, kind of? That's like it, yeah. Yeah, that's, there we go. That's it, exactly. He was, uh, he was goofy. And, yeah. But so are some woodpeckers. I watched uh, young downy woodpeckers chasing a ma around here, and they are nuts. They're just uh, noisy and crazy and, and really, really hungry. So it's, yeah. Uh, somebody asked, do vultures have enough carrion space when they fly? And it's uh, carrion, like uh, C-A-R-R-I-O-N, so roadkill space. Um, no, and they don't fly cheap, uh, C-H-E-E-P, I'll throw that back. Uh, vultures ask that I remind human flyers that just because it has a handle doesn't make it carry-on luggage. Uh-huh. Uh, turkey vultures generally eat mammals, but they will feed on other carrions such as birds, reptiles, amphibians, uh, invertebrates, fish. I see them eating dead carp, which is just... I, I, I had a chihuahua that would go birding with me all the time. His name was Sancho. And we'd stop at a place to get out by a lake, and I would uh, get the scope out, and I'd look at birds on the lake, and Sancho would find a dead carp and roll on it. And then he would come back and want to get in my truck, and I'd want him to run all the way home, no matter how many miles, because he smelled so bad. So I carried some kind of 
I can't remember the name of it. It was uh, like a men's cologne spray that just smelled terrible, but it smelled better than dead carp. So I'd spray a little bit on Sancho. It just was a terrible thing to do to him. But otherwise, I couldn't stand driving home with him, and I loved him, so I'd put him in there. A, I've seen vultures eating rotting pumpkins, and a vulture prefers freshly dead animals, but they wait for carcasses to reach a condition that George Foreman wouldn't consider grilling, and this makes it possible for a vulture to pierce the skin. Otherwise, they, they can't get through uh, the firm skin of, of a just newly dead animal. I hope everyone oh, will come Al, to the stop. You oh, need yeah. to stop because I have to share something with you from one of our listeners oh, on the text. It's from our friend Rich in Mankato who wanted to share this. He says, my mosquito trap is working great. About every two weeks or so, I empty another pint or so of mosquitoes. And I very seldom get a mosquito bite now. And the mosquitoes really love to attack me. So... Okay, remember we were talking this experiment, do these little wind-sucking vacuum kind of things work? And according to Rich in Mankato, they're working for him. So I'm glad that somebody has done the experiment, and I'm so happy that it's working. So, you know, I guess there's one testimony that says yes. And, Rich, I think you have a business opportunity here. (laughs) You could become a mosquito trapper a freelance mosquito trapper and go from uh, place to place and trap mosquitoes. Yeah, boy, I'm glad it's working for you. I'd, uh, some days here, I, as everybody that knows me knows, I'm a walker, and uh, I can find mosquitoes. And I don't like using DEET very much. I just don't like this stuff. And uh, so I'm out there, and as long as I keep hiking pretty well, but there are raspberries and mulberries and things, so it's hard to keep hiking because of all those berries. or They're like a siren song calling out to me, or maybe a piper's flute that says, you got to stop here, and I stop, and then the mosquitoes find me just immediately. But there will be no mosquitoes at the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always the Heimlich Maneuver. And gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup, real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. You know, the temperatures here in Minnesota should never be allowed to hit 90 degrees. Bad weather is Muggy's faithful companion. Disagreeable weather didn't keep my wife and me from attending a wake for Lorraine Evenson, who has become a lovely memory. Uh, My mother-in-law is named Lorraine, and I love her, and... uh, I want to keep her around for as long as possible. And I fear we're running out of Lorraines. Uh, Lorraine is a wonderful woman who doesn't want to use the cloth napkin supplied because it's too nice. Every year, the Social Security Administration releases a list of the most popular baby names. Last year's top ten names in descending order for girls was Emma, Olivia, Ava, Isabella, Sophia, Charlotte, Mia, Amelia, Harper, and Evelyn. A lot of names that end in an A. The names for the boys were Liam, Noah, William, James, Oliver, Benjamin, Elijah, Lucas, Mason, and Logan. Lorraine is 1,021st on that list, but its popularity is rebounding. Alan, with an E, it 
It's 540th, but dropping. Oh. Oh, pity. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. Uh, do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird. Well, it's great chatting with you again, Al. We'll be back next week. And until then, happy bird watching. And, Rich, keep um, keep getting rid of <laughs> those mosquitoes. Right. We appreciate your good work. Do you know what I want to know? have Rich do is I want him to, to, to let me know if it works for Japanese beetles because if it does, man, I'm getting a dozen of those. <laughs> yeah, and we've talked before that a lot of people put up the beetle traps, the Japanese beetles, and then it draws more into your yard. So I think you said the best thing would be if all your neighbors had a Japanese beetle trap because then it may draw them out of your yard. (laughs) Well, according to, I was out in the yard last night and ran into someone and we were talking about Japanese beetles, the neighbor just down the road a little bit, and he does put Japanese beetles traps and he claims they're they're helping. So I I don't know. It's six of one, half a dozen of another. Maybe I'll get desperate and then I'll try anything. I'll let you know. Okay. Bye, Al. (laughs) Take care. Yep. Always great to talk to our good friend, Al Bat. He is just a great guy. And it is 1033. You are listening to a Minnesota Morning. Here is your Minnesota history lesson for this morning. Welcome to 